Welcome to session 15 of the Bible in a Year commentary. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 15th of January. Today we'll be looking at Genesis 46 to 47 and Psalm 15. But so far in Genesis, we've read through the creation of the earth, the rise and fall of humanity, and God's decision to choose a new family to be his. This led us through the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph. Joseph, once boastful about his dreams, finds himself in Egypt interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. His wisdom saves Egypt from famine and elevates him to a position of power. The story then comes full circle when his brothers who sold him into slavery unknowingly seek his help during the famine. Joseph tested their character to see if they're still the same men as when they sold him into slavery. He accused them of being spies and keeps Simeon until they can bring back their youngest brother, Benjamin. He also sent them back with the money they used to pay for the food hidden in their bags. Eventually, the brothers return, offering back the money that was restored to them. Twice, Judah was willing to sacrifice himself to save his brothers. Content that his brothers had changed men, Joseph revealed his identity to them. He encourages them to go fetch their father and bring everyone down to live in Egypt. Pharaoh himself offers them the best of his land which is where we pick up today. So let's jump in with Genesis 46 to 47. As we near the end of Genesis, we continue to see more things come full circle. Abraham had been driven to Egypt because of a famine in Genesis 12, and now his grandson Jacob is doing the same. Abraham's journey started with a revelation from God, and now nearing the end of Jacob's journey, we get one more revelation from God. Jacob started his journey at Beersheba in Genesis 28, where he met God, and it is here at Bathsheba that God speaks to him again to close everything up. We then get another genealogy. Again, as we're coming to the end of Genesis, the author wants you to notice how many enter Egypt. The number 70 often meant the totality of. So the main takeaway is it's the whole family that's now entering Egypt. When they leave Egypt in Exodus, the family is going to be much, much bigger. There may be another significance to the number 70. When God split the rebellious people of Genesis 11 into the different nations we read about in Genesis 10, there were 17 nations made in total. You have to count them. So just as the fallen world can be divided into the 70 nations, God is going to use this family of 70 to restore the world back to himself. Next comes more evidence of the favour Joseph has with Pharaoh. Even though Joseph's family are shepherds and Egyptians despise shepherds, Pharaoh is still willing to bless Joseph's family and give them the best of his land. Joseph's favour with God is clearly demonstrated as God continues to bless him and make him fruitful. Joseph sells grain to all of Egypt, buying up livestock and land for Pharaoh, before ultimately introducing a new tax. Likewise, we should seek to have favour with both God and with men. God is the one from whom we get everything, but he's also given us a mission to change the lives and communities around us. To do that, we need to have a good relationship with other people. God has called us at all levels to be influential. So as we grow in our relationship with him, we should also be seeking to grow in relationship with others. Coming back to the passage, this is all going to have important significance going forward beyond Genesis. The people of Egypt have all been bought as servants by Pharaoh. Their land is no longer their own and they must give a fifth of all that they grow back to Pharaoh as tax. Meanwhile, these foreigners have come in and have been given the best land Egypt has to offer and are flourishing. As time goes on, this disparity is going to lead to resentment. Finally, we have Jacob preparing to die. This is setting up tomorrow's reading, 
where Jacob is going to give his last will and testament to his sons. So let's look at Psalm 15. This psalm is attributed to King David and is considered a liturgical psalm, read out as part of a worship service. It was most likely used at the beginning of a service as God's people entered his presence. As always, here's a summary of the structure, but I would recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see this structure properly for yourself. But we start off with verse 1, questions concerning the Lord's dwelling place. In verse 2, we get the positive requirements of dwelling with the Lord. In verse 3, we get the negative requirements of dwelling with the Lord. In verse 4, we get the positive requirements of dwelling with the Lord again. In the first half of verse 5, we get more negative requirements of dwelling with the Lord. And then finally, in the second half of verse 5, we get a promise that those who pursue these requirements will dwell with the Lord. The psalm opens asking the question, who can enter God's presence? That's my paraphrase. This is an important question to ask yourself as you go to enter God's presence. The rest of the psalm just seeks to answer that question. The first three traits offered are that a person should walk blamelessly, do right, and speak truth. This is mirrored by the three things a person should avoid. There should be nothing false in their talking, they should do no evil, and they shouldn't go around accusing others. Then come the next set. A person must despise wickedness and honour those who fear God, and they should swear to do good and hold to their word. Finally, there are two more things a person shouldn't do. They shouldn't loan out money and expect interest. This could trap someone in an oppressive spiral of debt, nor should they accept bribes and oppress the innocent. The promise of this psalm is that if a person holds to all of these things, they're able to stand in God's presence and not be removed. We see in this psalm that there are things in life we should be working towards and things that we should be avoiding. This psalm seeks to remind us that we are able to enter God's presence, but not to take it lightly. It should require a preparing of our hearts and appropriate reverence to God's holiness. 